my praise, O holy Lord, most holy Lord, with all of my heart I, with my heart I sing, great are you, Lord, worthy of praise, holy I'm John Collier. On behalf of the elders, I'd like to welcome you to Preston Crest this morning. We're so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. And visitors, we are especially thankful you're with us. Whether you're visiting family or friends or passing through town or looking to find a new church home, we welcome you and we hope that you're uplifted by our services today. We would appreciate it if you would let us know of your attendance. Uh, visitors, if you could scan the QR code in the card in front of you and fill out that information. Or if you are a first-time visitor and would like a cool little gift we have for you, you can physically fill out that card. And after services, take it to the information center in the back of the lobby. And we have an insulated coffee mug we'd love to give to you. And members, if you'll please check in in your usual means. I want to take just a moment to celebrate um, our wonderful event we had last Sunday night together. 
um, as we celebrated our, our students going back to school and our prayer and pizza night. Um, we were led in some thoughts and some scriptures and some prayer by our youth. Uh, Brian Borden challenged us with some thoughts from Joshua to be strong and courageous. And then we shared some fun pizza a dinner together. So it was a great night together. As you can tell from the pictures, it was a really special evening. And uh, we, we really appreciate and wanted our, our children and our teens to know how much we love them as they go back to school. As we continue into our worship this morning, I'd like to read from Psalms 48, verse 14. For the Lord is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Let's all pray together. Father, I thank you for this moment right here, right now, as we are gathered together in your name to worship you together. Father, as we humbly approach your throne, I thank you for the way you constantly bless us and watch over us and for providing for us in ways we too frequently take for granted. Father, I thank you for our fellowship time together last Sunday evening as we celebrated our children and our youth, letting them know how much we love them and support them as they headed back to school for a new school year. <clears throat> Father, you have blessed us so much as a congregation. One of the many things I'm so thankful for here at Preston Crest, Father, is the very large number of young adults, young couples, young families and so many newborns and toddlers. And Father, I pray that you bless our young parents. May we always appreciate the blessing of the noises made by these kids during worship, Father. May the parents never be embarrassed by their children's noises. May these little ones, or, or these little ones, Father, are certainly the future of your kingdom. And we thank you for this blessing here at Preston Crest. Father, I ask that you help each of us to uh, encourage these young families that are so ably raising their kids to know you and to learn to worship you. Father, I pray for each member of this family here at Preston Crest, for those in poor health. Father, I pray for healing, for those that are struggling with different uh, difficult circumstances. I pray, Father, for peace, for strength, and for your comfort and your encouragement. Father, help us as a congregation to be welcoming, to be seekers of your word, and to pursue opportunities to serve you and those around us. Father, please bless us now as we worship you together. Pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd, Yeah. 
Dottie, that was one of those moments right there. We now enter into our time of communion. We're going to sing one of my, one of these, uh, one of my favorite songs, Revelation song. And then John Shuttlesworth will come and lead us around the bread and around the cup.
This morning, I am not an eloquent speaker, so I'm going to let the Bible speak for me. So we're going to read from Isaiah 53, uh, starting in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people, and he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Please pray with me. Lord, as we come before you um, to prepare our minds for communion, We look inwardly and look upwardly. We look upwardly when we think of the sacrifice that, um, that your son, um, that you gave for us, um, that gives us hope. And we look inwardly um, in a world that's full of terrible things. Um, and it's easy to 
think that we're wonderful and we're great and there's things that, that we're not nearly as bad as the world around us. And we just pray that we look inwardly and um, know that all sin is sin in your eyes um, and that we all, um, for the reason that Jesus died, um, pray that we can take this bread um, in that remembrance. Um, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pray me again, please. <clears throat> um, Lord, we pray again um, as we take this cup, which represents your blood poured out for me from the cross, um, and realizing that you were the supreme sacrifice for all of us, um, for all of the sins we've committed in the past and all the sins we'll commit in the future. Um, we just thank you for your victory over death. We thank you for your willingness to um, make the ultimate sacrifice for us. Um, and pray that we can um, be in remembrance of you, not just today, but every day. Um, we thank you so much for what you've given us. In his name we pray. Amen. everybody. How y'all doing? It's good to be here. Good to hear your voices. Um, in case you're wondering why I'm wearing a tie, I don't usually wear a tie. It is my mom's birthday. She's watching from Missouri, so happy birthday, mom. I think my sister is with her today as well. I heard we've got another special celebration. We got uh, Bob and Delpha Herndon. Is this true, Denise? 67 years. Bob, there you are. 67 years of marriage. Yeah? All right. I love them so much. Uh, if you want to give this morning, you kind of know the ropes probably. If you're a member here, we've got church teams. You can give there. You can give online through our website. Or you can just drop a check or some money out in the box in the foyer. There are so many 
good works. Thank God that we have been allowed to partner with our Lord in doing here at Preston Crest. One of the, well, many are getting ready to start this fall, many groups and ministries. One is Divorce Care, which starts September the 7th. We'll learn a little bit more about that in a moment, but just helping people who've been through divorce come out the other side and heal and, and grow strong and, uh, and minister to each other. That's about ready to get kicked off. You can find out more information on the website. Let's pray right now. God, anything good that we do, any of these good works that we celebrate are really a celebration of you. It is your character and your goodness, your mercy and grace that we have experienced and now we offer uh, to your world in your name. Jesus, minister through us. May your Holy Spirit restore and heal and touch lives to the many ministries of this church done in the name of Christ. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Here at Preston Crest, we're completely committed to the marriages that we have both here in our church and also in our community. Divorces happen, separation takes place. We are highly committed to creating a safe, healthy, supportive place for those going through such difficulties. Semesters of divorce care involve fellowship meals, fellowship dinners, uh, supportive interactive educational video, discussions among the groups, supportive, caring camaraderie among those going through the difficulties and challenges of divorce. And quite frankly, we help them to look toward healing and even resilience as they take some next steps to heal and to recover. No one wants to see a marriage go through those difficulties and challenges. But when we're here at Preston Crest, we want you to know that we're dedicated to helping people in that process to become better and connect with their Lord. Could not happen without the support that we have here with the folks at this church. We Thank you for your support as we serve with people in our divorce care ministry and help them in their next stage of life. Hey church, I also want to just uh, mention that we are still giving to Ukraine. If you uh, have not or would like to still give to that, you can drop it in the, uh, in the box in the foyer. Just make sure on your check that you write Ukraine. Uh, there is a drop-down box online for giving to Ukraine, and uh, that is still an ongoing uh, opportunity for us to give. Just wanted to remind you of that. Okay, two quilts today. We are tying two quilts for Nancy Blanks and for Carrie Vega. And so please, st please do stop by the table, tie a knot, say a prayer, and I would invite you to take those names with you this week, Nancy Blanks and Carrie Vega, and just pray for peace and for comfort for both of these ladies. Let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church this morning. We'll sing one more song, and then Gordon's going to come back and share with us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. i 
Yeah, I noticed this morning from a poster by the restrooms that way that come to the table is getting ready to start, and I'm excited about that ministry as we talk about things getting ready to kick off. Uh, last time we did this, I remember there was a first-time visitor showed up on the day we were doing registrations, signed up. I remember in the church office, we had this conversation. We didn't even know who this person was. We're like, we never heard of this guy. He should be in. Anyway, so he got put together with one of those those groups that was having dinner and getting to know each other. Now he's a member of the church and uh, actually did the communion thought uh, recently here in first service. And so it is a really good way uh, to belong here and to make uh, new friendships here at Preston Crest. You'll hear more about that in a little bit. Uh, We are continuing our study of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has been saying some true things, um, some good things that we need to hear, and also some hard things. So here we go today. By the way, if you have not been personally uh, hit by what he said about murder and anger and lust and adultery, you're about to get hit this morning because 100% hit rate on uh, this one. Here we go. Again, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So, what we've seen Jesus doing in the Sermon on the Mount so far is consistently raise the bar consistently say, I don't want my disciples to just blend in with the world. I don't want you to live mediocre, ordinary, status quo loving lives. I want you to be the people that God has called you to be and that his spirit living within you is enabling you to be. And so that's what we've seen throughout this series so far. Our true selves are the selves that are deeply connected to God. Those that agree with his agenda and eagerly seek to follow the Lord into this lifestyle as kingdom people. Once upon a time, somewhere in the northeastern United States, it was time for Thanksgiving break at the local university. Three seniors... And three freshmen headed to the train station to take the train home. When they got to the ticket windows, each of the three freshmen purchased a ticket for the ride home. But among the three seniors, only one train ticket was purchased. The freshmen asked the seniors, what's going on? How are you guys going to get home with only one ticket? The seniors simply replied, Watch and learn. Watch and learn. They got on the train, and after the train rolled out of the station, the three seniors all went and crammed themselves into one of the tiny bathrooms in the train. When the conductor came by to look at the tickets, he knocked on the bathroom door, 
The seniors cracked it just a little bit and handed a ticket out, and he handed it back, and they were safe. And the freshmen were like, ah, this is genius. We'll have to try this on the way home. And so a few days later, they all met back at the train station to head back to college. And this time, the three freshmen bought one ticket for the three of them. The three seniors bought zero tickets. And the freshman said, wait a second, what's going on? And the senior said, watch and learn, watch and learn. They got on the train, both sets, the freshmen in one tiny bathroom and the seniors into an adjacent bathroom, uh, closed the door and prepared for what would come next. The train rolled out of the station. The conductor began making his way through the train cars. One of the seniors slipped quietly out of the bathroom they were in, went across the hall and knocked on the freshman door. Ticket, please. That's how you get three seniors home without any tickets. Deception and dishonesty. We human beings have taken this and turned it into an art form. We are always creating new ways to pull one over on someone or manipulate someone or deceive someone. We are very, very good at it. And Jesus comes along and he says to us, just let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. No flowery oath taking, no ornamental words, no trickery with your semantics. Just be a truth teller. And he knew then, and the words ring true today, if you are a truth teller, it definitely runs you against the currents of culture. I would ask if there's anyone here this morning who has not told a lie, but I don't want to cause you to lie once again. Everyone has, actually, some exceptions. We have a few who have never told a lie. They are in the nursery. They have not learned to speak yet. But as soon as they learn the word no, they will very shortly deceive mom and deceive dad. Did you forget to brush your teeth? No. Did you bite sister? No. <laughs> Quickly, they'll be deceiving as well. Uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 9, probably one of the most sobering bucket of cold waters yet true passages in the entire Bible. God says to us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. The greatest teller of lies in your life is not your social media exposure. It is not whatever fake news or whatever you're watching. It is your own heart, according to Scripture. And it's one of the reasons that we as people are desperately sick, the Lord says. Reminds me of the preacher who told his church one Sunday, hey, Next Sunday, we're going to talk about truth-telling. I want everybody as homework to read Isaiah 67. And when they gathered again the next week, he got up to preach and he said, Okay, how many of you read Isaiah 67? Some hands went up and he said, Yeah, there is no Isaiah 67. It stops at 66. 
This is why we need to talk about truth-telling and honesty. So the first thing we need to do is unpack what Jesus was saying, what he wasn't saying in these verses from Matthew chapter 5, and then we bring them into our lives. So historically, let's talk about this because it probably got your attention when we were hearing his words this morning. Historically, some interpreters have made this to be a black and white case against swearing an oath. Christians should not put their hand on a Bible and swear an oath in a courtroom. A Christian should not even say, I pledge allegiance to the flag. You should not swear oaths, they have said. Jesus says not to swear an oath. The problem is that interpretation doesn't jibe with much of what we find in the rest of the New Testament. And it does not jibe with the culture and this context which Jesus was addressing uh, either. So let's talk about the rest of the New Testament. How about we just, let's just talk about the Apostle Paul. He wrote a bunch of stuff that, that's part of our New Testament. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write, and he often used the language of oath-taking in his letters, in his correspondences. Like you've got Romans 1 verse 9, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you. From 1 verse 9 to 9 verse 1, Paul said, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit. It's an oath. Galatians 1 verse 20, in what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. 2 Corinthians 1 23, I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. And 1 Thessalonians 2, 5, for you, no, we never used flattery. God is our witness. So, given what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, and James, his brother, would write in James 5, verse 12, we should not take oaths if we can avoid it. It's not something we should do, but there are rare times, like if you are called to be a witness uh, in a court, there are times you may need to take an oath. Now, if deception has been raised to be an art form, in Jesus' historical context, there were some, vir- some veritable Van Goghs and Monets in his audience. There were people in Jesus' time who believed that it was possible to paint with your words promises and pledges that were not binding, okay? And these were some religious leaders, some very biblically literate people that were doing this. They believed that you could kind of create a semantic back door with what you said to mislead somebody, to deceive someone, but technically you were not sinning, okay? Well, so we got the Ten Commandments. You know the Ten Commandments. There's one, obviously, do not swear, thou shalt not swear false witness, uh, More important even was the third commandment, which is not to take the Lord's name in vain. You put these two commandments together, you've got this prohibition against using, or misusing better yet, the name of the Lord. So here we go. This is what was going on. This was the palette of paints that these artists were using with their promises and pledges. It was widely held that you could 
state something, affirm something that you really didn't mean so long as you weren't invoking the name of God. Uh, once you say, I swear to God, or something equivalent to that, then you would be 100% bound to be telling the truth or fulfill that pledge. If you didn't say that, then you were not bound. That's the group to whom Jesus is speaking. So what did they do? They would craft these elaborate oaths, these phraseology, so that they sounded godly, right? So that they sounded so spiritual, at face value, it was like, definitely this is the truth, right? Definitely this is binding, you know? Um, they would swear on heaven, verse 34, or on God's throne, verse 34, by Jerusalem, verse 35, the city of the great king. Notice they didn't say God's name there, um, the great king. Uh, and so it seemed like they were swearing by God, but technically they weren't. Technically they were swearing by a city or a piece of furniture, a throne. And since God's name wasn't being used, they really were not breaking the commandments of God. Now, you may have already done the math with me here. Year 2020, culturally, for us, folks just skip all of this, you know, artistry, all of this palette of paints of got to avoid misusing God's name, and we're just flat out dishonest. And we flat out use many people the name of God in very inappropriate ways. I swear to God, these are the best fajitas I've ever had, you know? Or, oh my God, this is the best book I've read. I mean, a lot of folks have no problems at all today OMGing things, you know, using the name of God in ways that serve them. They don't honor the name of God, they serve them. I'm going to make my point stronger. I'm going to convince you more aggressively by using the name of God for my purposes. So the Lord, what he does in Matthew 5, whether it's 2022 or AD 30, he, what he does is he gets us back to the heart of the thing, which always in the Sermon on the Mount is about the heart. He says, God's people must be tellers of truth. And that diverges from the broader culture today, and it did then as well. I saw a survey from Notre Dame University recently that says the average American tells on average 11 lies per week. So we are not in our country a very honest people, right? Um, so here are just some common strategies. These, unfortunately, I'll just say, unfortunately, these are all very familiar to us. I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know here, but how do we mislead and deceive today? There's a lot of, here's just a few. One of them would be just lying, just saying something I know is not true. Intentionally stating something as fact or as truth, I know it's not. I know it's not. Um, filling out a tax return with incorrect information, 
that's a lie, and you could even almost say it's under oath. You're going to sign your name to that and swear that it's true. Uh, Telling the officer who pulled you over, I had no idea I was speeding. Yes, you did. You knew you were speeding. Nine times out of ten, you did. Um, How about exaggeration? You don't have to flat out tell a lie. You can just exaggerate, just overstating something, overemphasizing something, using hyperbolic language for something, playing up, you know, accomplishments or um, overstating claims. We do this a lot. Words like always, I always do this. Or I would never do this. Those are exaggeration words. They're not really the most truthful kinds of words. Uh, Miami International Airport is the worst airport. Okay, I personally don't like that airport, but it's probably not the worst airport. I'm sure there are other worse airports on planet Earth. So this language of exaggeration, what about, what about flattery? I like the idea of flattery because it can be technically true. You can be saying true words, but you are absolutely deceiving and manipulating with those words in order to get someone on your side or to get the raise or to get the invitation to that party or whatever the case may be. Giving a compliment in order to get in good with the boss. A compliment that isn't genuine. It's not sincere. Saying nice things in front of a person that you wouldn't say behind their back. Uh, That's dishonest. That's dishonest. And then how about misleading statements? When I was thinking about this this week, I was thinking about all of the, all of the contracts that we sign with our, with our credit card companies and airlines and internet providers and cell phone carriers. Um, misleading statements. You talk about an art form. You talk about an art form. Uh, they use words to get people to think something that's not really true, um, like, We don't have this internet provider anymore, but years ago, our internet provider told us that we would get up to 25 megabits a second at our house, which really isn't that fast, um, but that's what they had, max speed at our, up to 25, we were doing good to get five. You know, every time I would test, we were getting like a, a small percentage of what they were, you can use that phrase up to, right? Grocery store checker here at this supermarket is going to get up to a million dollars a year. It's technically true. You know, you're probably not going to get 20000 but it's, it's, uh, it's under. As long as it's under, then we're fine there. It's just technically not lying, but it is. It's misleading. It's deceptive. By the way, we could do this. I, I probably should have done this. Just all of the examples for each one of these, we just could have used resumes, right? I mean, resumes are little like hives of deception these days. People put all sorts of different kinds of, of manipulative wrong language in their resumes, fabrications and lies, exaggerations, misleading statements, and then One final kind of dishonesty that I think we got to call out these days is just hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Uh, Stating one thing while you actually believe another thing. Okay, this may even be a true thing that you're stating, but you actually believe something else and, and live according to something else. I was thinking about, you know, celebrity, you know, that travels the world, uh, arguing for the environment, you know, that is their cause, global warming, you know, the environment, and they're flying, you know, on a Gulfstream jet. 
and they get home and their Hummer is parked in their garage. I mean, they have a carbon footprint the size of Godzilla, but their cause, <laughs> their cause is the environment. I mean, you, you see this all the time, this kind of hypocrisy in our world. So, the words people use can be dishonest, and even when they are technically true, they can still be dishonest. I love how Proverbs 26 lays this out. Smooth words may hide a wicked heart, just as a pretty glaze covers a clay pot. I like that. So the conclusion, Jesus says, again, honest. Your yes means yes, your no means no. And sometimes, obviously, there's going to be a cost to being straightforward. That's why lying is so prevalent. Sometimes it's just easier, or we see the benefits of being deceptive. And Hibbard once said, the test of character comes when being truthful endangers what you want. That is the test of character. Will you be honest when it endangers what you want? A friend of mine, uh, an elderly sister in Christ uh, in Brazil, she has been married to a guy. He's a friend of mine as well. They've been married for over 40 years now. Have kids and grandkids together. They have three children together and many grandchildren together. Uh, she told me one time uh, this, well, one of these three children is actually not my husband's. And he doesn't know it. And she was crying and she was mourning, but she was afraid of the cost if he ever found out the truth. Of course, I urged her to tell him the truth. And I have to tell you, I don't know if she ever came clean about it. So is there a risk to being truthful? You know, we're trying to be honest in this sermon this morning. Is there a risk? Sure there is. Of course there is a risk to being truthful. The conclusion, though, Jesus gives us is we need to be truthful because we belong to him, because we are God's people. What are the costs of not being truthful? Well, community is damaged. Trust is eroded. So these relationships that hold us together, whether it's at a work site or whether it's in our church or whether it's in our family, they grow weaker when we are not honest with each other. Um, back to oath-taking for just a second. That we even in our country need, think about this, that we even need to require oaths I'm going to need you to swear to that. That we even need to do that reveals a lot about our deceptive hearts, about the state of humanity. Um, I'm just glad that many years ago when Isla and I were having a romantic candlelit dinner, and for the first time ever, I looked her in the eyes and said, Isla, I love you. I'm just glad she didn't whip a Bible out of her purse and say, I'm going to need you to swear that on oath. Are you telling the whole truth? Nothing but the truth. God's people need to be truth tellers, need to be known as truth tellers uh, because a healthy community depends on it. And more than that, because God is a truth teller. Like Titus talks about that in Titus 1-2. He says, God, our Father, never lies. Who's your daddy? God, your father, never lies. Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. 
On the other hand, Satan is a liar. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, he is the father of lies. That means all lies, you can track them back. Their DNA match will be with the father of lies. So again, who's your daddy? I mean, are you of God? Are you his child? Or do you belong to the other, the enemy? Two filters. I'd like to be practical this morning as we finish up. Two filters to help us keep our speech pure and true. The first filter is this. Pause before you speak. How simple is that? Just wait a second before you tweet or post or say that thing that you're thinking. Because it is so easy and natural for some of us to be deceiving. Just pause and think, is what I'm about to say a representation of the truth? James 1.19, he puts it so well. He says, my beloved brothers, let every, every person be quick to hear and slow to, yeah, slow to speak. Slow to post. Read that with me if you would, that top one. My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. So in other words, what we're talking about here is using the power of pause in your speech. Now listen to what James says a few verses later. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, think of a horse with a bridle, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. There's no value to it. What does a horse's bridle do? It, it steers and directs where that horse will go. And in many ways, what you say steers and directs the kind of person you will become. Filter number two. So pause. Pause before you speak. We can all do this. Pause before you speak. Number two is what I, the other filter be, is what I'm about to say helpful or hurtful? Is this going to edify or is this going to destroy? Um, as disciples, we are here to bless people, not belittle people. Um, some folks, I'm, I just speak the truth, you know, and they weaponize the truth. They wield it like a sword pounding on people. Uh, honesty for them is a license to say anything they want to say. The Bible says, yeah, not so fast with that. We need to speak the truth, remember this, in love. Ephesians 4.15, we will speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Call this uh, the diplomacy filter. It's thinking about, will these words bless, will they encourage, or will they destroy and tear down? Uh, it's, it's not just important what you say, it's also important how you say it. Uh, and this takes time and energy, I'm going to confess. We need to pray on this one. Holy Spirit, help us with this. Because we, we need his help to speak the truth in love. Proverbs would call this speaking a word, chapter 15, in due season. Or I like the word that some of the translations, an apt word. The appropriate word at the appropriate time. So again, is what I am communicating true? And is what I'm com communicating for the good? 
Is it to bless? Um, that's a filter Paul says we should use, speaking the truth in love. And, and what happens is over time, I become, he says in 4.15, I become more like Jesus, more like Christ. So, we live in a day and time when we are exposed. We'll finish up here. We are exposed to outlandish, preposterous information all the time. And I think I can safely say, like never before in history. Because we've just got access to fire hydrants of information flowing into our lives every day. Now, what if I told you Jesus made some of the most outlandish claims in history. What if I told you some of the words Jesus said were some of the most preposterous things ever recorded? He publicly stated, I'm going to be murdered, and in three days after that, I'll be raised back to life. What an unbelievable claim. What a ridiculous claim at face value. No one in history has ever done that, and you're saying you're going to do that. Well, those claims got a lot less outlandish when three days after his very public crucifixion, he walked out of a tomb. Only thing left, grave clothes back in the tomb. They got even less outlandish when over 500 witnesses attested to having seen and spoken with Jesus after his death burial, and resurrection. Some recorded having breakfast with him, sharing a meal with him, receiving teaching from him. Here's what's interesting, I think, as we finish up. Everyone pretty much universally believes Jesus was a really good guy. I mean, Jesus was, most people would, I mean, almost everyone agrees, one of the greatest moral teachers, ethics teachers in the history of mankind. And yet, some of them don't believe the resurrection happened. Like, how can someone believe Jesus was a great moral teacher and one of history's greatest liars? Well, great moral teachers don't lie to their best friends. Jesus was telling the truth. He died for our sins. He was raised from death to life to promise us life everlasting. And this morning, maybe that's a promise you need to hang on to. You can trust Jesus. He always tells the truth. And you want to surrender your life to Jesus this morning, be baptized into Jesus this morning. We'd love to help you with that. Maybe you need prayers of this church this morning. We are a family. We belong to each other. Uh, we celebrate the successes here and the victories, and we mourn together difficult times. So maybe you need to find someone to pray with me, one of our elders, or someone around you this morning. If you want to be a member of this church, come talk to us about that. We got our PC 101 coming up at, on September 11th. However you need to respond, let's stand together and let's celebrate God together. Happy night in the Lord was
seated. Gordon, thank you for that. Another great lesson. It's been such a benefit and a blessing to walk through the Sermon on the Mount and dig into some of Jesus's key teachings. Visitors, again, we are especially thankful for your presence here this morning. If, you, if you're interested in placing membership on the back of the bulletin this morning, there's several ways that you can do that very easily, and we'd love to have you join our family here at Preston Crest. And remember our worship time tonight at six o'clock. Uh, we'll again be continuing our series from Ephesians entitled The Church's DNA. Our numbers have been increasing throughout the summer. And as we get into the fall, we're looking to forward to even larger crowds. We come knowing that you will hear an outstanding lesson from God's word. And finally, as you've already heard Gordon give a preview to, the elders would like to invite you into one of our favorite ministries, Come to the Table. Um, it was once said that when someone comes into your home and sits at your table and breaks bread with you, your relationship is forever changed. In this vein, Come to the Table is designed to give our adult members a chance to get to know each other even better. Participants will be placed into multi-generational groups, each with a Preston Crest elder and his wife. Uh, these groups of eight will meet together um, for meals once a month for four months, that's September through December, rotating in each other's homes to share a meal. So this commitment is to meet once a month for meals with your group and to host one of those months. Absolutely anyone and everyone is welcome to sign up. We'd love to have everyone sign up. But new members, people that have not been at Preston Crest long, or if you've not participated in this before, we would especially encourage you to sign up to participate. Um, and single adults, you can sign up either individually or with a friend if you prefer. So if you are interested, Sign-ups can be done using either the QR code. They're on the front page of the bulletin. There's a sign-up sheet on the visitor center back in the lobby. Or you can call the church office this week. But sign-ups are one week only. So today through next Sunday. So if you are interested, please sign up and, and be sure to, to grab your place at the table. Please stand at this time as we finish our service. 
As we close out our service this morning, let's all read together Ephesians 4, 15. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And the church said, 